You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. This episode is brought to you by Palo Alto Networks, the leader in cybersecurity. As AI-driven attacks increase, organizations can't afford to have network security that's stuck in the past. Discover how Palo Alto Networks can help you predict what's coming and proactively secure against it with a zero-trust, AI-powered network security platform built to secure whatever, whenever, wherever. To learn more, visit paloaltonetworks.com slash network security platform. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated and time-consuming fast. Now you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, Vanta. Vanta's leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews. Watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. A LastPass imitator sneaks its way past Apple's App Store review. Bitdefender identifies a new Mac OS backdoor. The Air Force and Space Force collaborate for stronger cyber defense. CISA offers an election security advisory program. The FCC bans AI robocalls. The feds put a bounty on the Hive ransomware group. Senators introduce a bipartisan drone security act. Cisco Talos IDs a new cyber espionage campaign. Fighting the good fight against software bloat? On our Solution Spotlight, N2K President Simone Petrella talks with Amy Cardell, Senior Vice President for Strategic Workforce Relationships at CompTIA, about the cyber talent gap. And sports fans, check your passwords. It's Friday, February 9th, 2024. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us here today. LastPass is alerting its users about a fraudulent app named LastPass Password Manager, that's LASS, L-A-S-S, on Apple's App Store, which closely imitates the genuine LastPass app in name and icon design, potentially confusing customers. Despite the clear resemblance, it's uncertain if the imposter app aims to steal user data, such as passwords, email accounts, and financial information, or merely seeks to profit from subscription fees. They are offering a pro upgrade for up to $49.99 for a lifetime subscription. 
The presence of this kind of clone app, especially one that could access sensitive user information, raises concerns about the App Store's review process and Apple's security assurances, particularly as the company promotes the App Store's safety while preparing for the introduction of alternate app marketplaces in the European Union. Mac journalist John Gruber was able to download and try the app before it was removed, and in his estimation, it was not trying to steal legitimate LastPass credentials, but rather was likely trying to piggyback off the password manager's brand recognition for financial gain. The app has been removed from the App Store. Staying in the Apple ecosystem for a moment, Bitdefender has identified a new macOS backdoor named Trojan.Mac.RustDoor, active since November of 2023. This malware, written in Rust, mimics a Visual Studio update and targets both Intel and ARM architectures to steal and upload files to a command and control server. Its association with known ransomware groups like Black Basta and Alfie Black Cat is suggested but not confirmed. The backdoor has several variants with functionalities for persistence and data exfiltration, utilizing a range of commands for controlling infected devices. Despite its sophisticated design making detection challenging, its communication with C2 servers currently returns not found. The Department of the Air Force is enhancing its collaboration with the Space Force, aiming to strengthen cyber defense capabilities and operational outcomes. My N2K CyberWire colleagues Maria Vermasis and Brandon Karp filed this report for the T-Minus Daily Space News podcast. Okay, Brandon, thank you for joining me this morning. Um, Can you explain a little bit about what this all means? Yeah, most definitely. It would probably be helpful to start with background. Um, So essentially, each of the military services have something called a service cyber component. So this is the part of that service that is assigned to U.S. Cyber Command and typically is responsible for a number of things. And what's consistent across the service cyber components and the 16th Air Force is the Air Force's service cyber component is that they tend to be responsible for cyber operations, um, network operations often fall under there, uh, intelligence surveillance reconnaissance, cryptology. These are all the different aspects of military operations and capabilities that tend to fall under the purview of a service cyber component. And so this recent article is basically the Air Force saying that they are trying to closer align their service cyber component, the 16th Air Force, with the space operations. When you think about space capabilities right now, space capabilities are really network capabilities, right? This is critical communications capabilities, intelligence collection and information providing capabilities uh, to the joint force. And so aligning the 16th Air Force and the Space Operations Command uh, together, or at least in a way that they communicate more clearly and more effectively in an operational way, will inherently support the missions uh, of the 16th Air Force. Be sure to check out T-Minus wherever you get your podcasts. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency has initiated an election security advisor program to enhance election security nationwide, aiming to support state and local officials and assure voters of the integrity of the upcoming presidential elections. Program addresses growing security concerns such as cyber attacks by foreign entities, ransomware, and election misinformation. 
The initiative features 10 new hires with significant election experience, complementing existing staff providing cyber and physical security assessments upon request. State election officials have expressed appreciation for the program, highlighting its role in strengthening cybersecurity infrastructure against malicious activities. The FCC has banned scam robocalls using AI-generated deepfake voices, expanding anti-robocall regulations to include these artificially created calls. This unanimous vote enhances the legal arsenal for state attorneys general to combat fraud and misinformation, specifically targeting AI voice manipulation for scams, voter misinformation, and impersonations. This interpretation of the 1991 Telephone Consumer Protection Act demands prior consent for robocalls with AI-generated voices, aligning penalties for these calls with those for traditional illegal robocalls. Recent legislation proposals aim to double TCPA penalties for AI-involved violations. Despite these measures, experts like Andrew Schwartzman of the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society recognize the limitations in completely halting malicious actors, but acknowledge the FCC's efforts as a significant deterrent. The U.S. State Department is offering rewards of up to $10 million for information leading to the identification, location, or arrest of key members of the Hive ransomware gang. Hive is responsible for extorting about $100 million from over 1,300 companies in more than 80 countries from June 2021 to November 2022. An additional reward of up to $5 million is available for information resulting in the arrest or conviction of anyone attempting to participate in Hive ransomware activities. This initiative is part of the Transnational Organized Crime Rewards Program, which has paid over $135 million for actionable tips since 1986. The announcement follows a successful law enforcement operation that infiltrated Hive's network, providing victims with decryption keys and preventing $130 million in ransom payments. Hive, known for its indiscriminate targeting, operates a ransomware-as-a-service model, breaching organizations through phishing, exploiting vulnerabilities, and using purchased credentials. Senators Mark Warner, Democrat from Virginia, and John Thune, Republican from South Dakota, introduced the Drone Evaluation to Eliminate Cyber Threats Act, DETECT, aimed at enhancing drone cybersecurity within the federal government. The bill mandates that NIST develop cybersecurity guidance for government-used drones, potentially leading to binding regulations. It includes provisions for testing the guidelines with a federal agency, implementing reporting protocols for drone security vulnerabilities, and prohibits federal agencies from purchasing drones that do not comply with these guidelines, except with a waiver. Warner and Thune have previously proposed legislation to improve the Federal Aviation Administration's handling of drone technology, advocating for a more transparent and efficient process. Cisco Talos uncovered a sophisticated espionage campaign named Zardur, active since at least March 2021, targeting an Islamic nonprofit organization. The campaign, executed by an advanced threat actor, utilized a custom backdoor, modified reverse proxy tools, and living-off-the-land binaries to evade detection, establish command and control, and ensure persistence. Despite only one compromised target being identified, 
The actor's prolonged undetected network access hints at the possibility of additional victims. The campaign's techniques bear some resemblance to tactics used by threat groups from China, though the association with these groups is considered with low confidence due to the non-exclusive use of the tools and the unique choice of target not aligning with known objectives of Chinese origin threat actors. An editorial in IEEE Spectrum, written by Bert Hubert, makes the case that software bloat represents a serious security threat. According to Hubert, the cybersecurity landscape is in a dire state, with rampant use of excessive code and dependencies in software development leading to significant security vulnerabilities. He highlights the absurdity of current software practices, including the use of millions of lines of code for simple tasks and the integration of numerous external libraries of dubious origin. The situation is further exacerbated by the industry's reluctance to prioritize security due to economic incentives and the rapid pace of development. Notably, legislation in the European Union aims to address these issues by mandating improved software security. Hubert shares a personal project, Trifecta, as an example of minimalistic yet modern and secure software, demonstrating the feasibility of creating efficient and reliable applications with a lean approach to coding and dependencies. The article is a thoughtful call to action for a return to simpler, more secure coding practices. Ah, the good old days when cloud computing meant daydreaming about shapes in the sky while your program compiled. Coming up after the break, N2K President Simone Petrella speaks with Amy Cardell, Senior Vice President for Strategic Workforce Relationships at CompTIA, about the cyber talent gap. Stay with us. In the complex world of enterprise identity, securing legacy web apps at scale can be daunting. Strata Identity makes it simple. With Strata, you can effortlessly integrate non-standard apps with any identity service, like MFA or SSO, with zero coding and zero hassle. Designed by identity architects for identity architects, Strata works with every vendor, standard and app architecture. This means your apps can now speak modern protocols and integrate seamlessly with your chosen identity services. From securing on-prem web apps to migrating away from outdated identity providers or consolidating them, Strata helps you keep your complex access policies as you modernize your identity infrastructure and get rid of technical debt. Join leading organizations like 3M, Dallas County, and CIBC in securing your apps with Strata. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity security priorities, and receive a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Our own N2K President Simone Petrella recently got together with Amy Cardell, Senior Vice President for Strategic Workforce Relationships at CompTIA. Their conversation focuses on efforts by CompTIA 
to narrow the cyber talent gap. So back in November, the White House hosted a workshop to discuss improving the collection of accurate data with respect to the nation's cyber workforce. I was there along with Amy Cardell, Senior Vice President of Strategic Workforce Relationships at CompTIA. Amy, thank you so much for reconnecting now that we're in the new year. Yes, it is a new year. 2024 is upon us. And it was great to meet you there for the first time. And I'm excited to continue the conversation that we started in the executive office building. Yes, me too. You know, just to kick things off, I know CompTIA has been heavily involved in the cyber workforce issues and has done quite a number of commitments over the years to expand the national cyber workforce, whether it's increasing diversity, expand access to education and training, and the list goes on. My first question to you is, what role do certification and training bodies play um, as it pertains to those national strategies, and how will that help us grow and sustain the workforce? Well, cybersecurity certifications are not just a nice-to-have. Those professional certifications and ongoing training are probably the most effective ways to shrink skills gaps. That's what employers look to uh, to understand competencies, and that competency-based education is really what hiring managers are saying that they want to see. So 70% of tech hiring managers say they regard them as necessary for security professionals because those are the proof. You know, when you think about CompTIA and its role, and I know that you have all done a number of things around assessing, you know, the state of the cyber workforce and how do we think about how employers can kind of better contribute to growing the cyber workforces in their own organization. What's CompTIA's perception on the current state of the cyber workforce? And what are the major challenges that you all see facing the industry today for those of us on the employer side? It's a huge problem. I guess the easiest way to say it is that the stakes for cybersecurity and the challenges in crafting cybersecurity policy and solving this problem with practices is that it's grown dramatically. The problem is there and it's growing fast. So from a threat landscape perspective, companies can see that the number of cyber criminals is skyrocketing and the potential damage from a cyber attack can be catastrophic. From an information security perspective, there's far more data being captured So that means that more privacy implications for customers and operational risk is there for internal workflows and for national security as well, of course. So from a product perspective, also we have the threats from generative AI that's accelerating the capabilities of attackers, but of course also defense and making that skills gap at organizations even wider. So that's why certification and training are so critical to a robust cyber defense to bring it back full circle. Yeah. Do you find, um, and I ask this question because I know one of my personal frustrations is that sometimes organizations, whether they be private sector or even agencies, are often quick to talk about the emerging threat landscape. They're looking at how integral cybersecurity is to their overall operations. And there's definitely an acknowledgement of the challenge in the experience and the talent pipeline as it pertains to cyber talent. Do you find that the walk is meeting the talk? Are we really stepping up as organizations to sort of put our money where our mouths are and and take the action to build workforces that are sustainable and resilient like we say they are supposed to be? That's a great question because, you know, talk is cheap and action is everything. So are we seeing more conversations that are bringing stakeholders together to take action? I would say yes. And I think the meeting we met at was an example of that because at a national level, 
it's raised to the level that there's a national cybersecurity, you know, workforce strategy. So conversations are happening where implementation can happen across the ecosystem, I think at a faster pace. Coordination and at that scale is difficult and duplication of efforts are almost inevitable. So I think it's raised to the level of attention at the highest levels. Action's been taking to forward those uh, connections and implementation in terms of uptake is increasing, but we're not done. And interestingly, last week, I had a lot of conversations with four-year universities who have not thought about maybe their students being in certification pathways in cybersecurity traditionally, but are starting to ask that question because they see the value it adds to their students as well. So I think there's the traditional ecosystem in in our industry, but there's also curiosity from the adjacency of even the four-year university space. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that a lot of CompTIA's work really even transcends being a certifying body and providing the training in that I know there's been a lot of work that you all have done in job skills and what are the actual skills required for jobs for folks to be successful in cybersecurity. And I know I'm throwing you a little bit of a curveball because I didn't, I, like it just, but it came up as you were talking and I was thinking to myself, can you share any of those things that that you're all doing even beyond certifications? And I, I think it's an important component of the conversation because while those certifications are so, so critical on so many levels, sometimes we kind of get blindsided by like looking at the certification and ignoring the fact that it's really representative of a set of skills, you know, underlying a job. Yeah, I think where you're going with this question is, obviously our certifications are all around the hard skills in cybersecurity. And, you know, after I came from industry and so after decades of hiring and unfortunately sometimes having to fire some uh, cybersecurity professionals, it never really came down to the hard skills being where <laughs> the rub was. And so, you know, this last week here in mid-January, we're really excited to drop a free rubric that we did in partnership with America Succeeds on durable skills. So using the same tool set and the same team that we use to develop our competencies in cyber skills focus that manpower and energy along with um, some really powerful third parties to think about all the equity and really big issues around soft skills not being a code for class or status, um, but really thinking about what are those knowledge, skills, and abilities in an objective way. That rubric, we put a stake in the sand with input of over 800 employers and a partner called America Succeeds on durable skills. So that rubric is now out there for high schools, community colleges, employers to look at and see the different levels of what it means to be good in a, in a wheel of 10 different durable skills, formerly known as soft skills, that help um, professionals succeed and help bridge the kind of the silo between employers and educators. We wrote national guideline standards for apprenticeship that embed the skills that we would consider necessary to be competent in these five pathways to careers that are being apprenticed nationally. And we want to enable the ecosystem to move forward. We have a lot of fantastic data. The reason we met was the data report out. So our research department is always publishing a tech jobs outlook. And we want that um, to be well known because that's another case of, you know, we want to, we want to 
let you know that we partner with Lightcast, we use BLS data, and that data is there. Um, so please consume it, and we don't charge for that. We just want to make sure that our industry data is helpful to those in every zip code who are making decisions about what workforce training needs to happen or what their employment options are. So we see ourselves as an ecosystem partner um, beyond, like you said, the, the certification piece. We've covered a lot today, but my kind of parting question to you is, you know, we're hitting off into a new year. It's 2024. What are you most excited about for CompTIA moving forward? I am most excited about the platform we have to share across silos. So I really feel just a huge aha, especially maybe last week talking to universities that education is so siloed. Um, especially higher education. They're their own special silo called Ivory Tower. It even looks like a silo. And then, of course, we have employers in their, in their silo and we have training partners in their silo. And I think our cross-cutting ability at CompTIA to um, help with solutions at scale that cut across those silos is more valuable than ever. So I'd like to say, and I'm an eternal optimist about this, that CompTIA is in a great place to be an enabler across those silos. Fantastic. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a fantastic conversation and really appreciate all your insights. It is a pleasure to speak with you, Simone. Thank you so much for the invitation and here's to a great year. That's Amy Cardell from CompTIA speaking with N2K President Simone Petrella. And finally, our sports ball desk tells us that this Sunday is Super Bowl 58. I'm told that's the game with the pointy ball, featuring the Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. With professional sports-related passwords being common, security firm Enzoic analyzed a commonly used breach database and found that SF49ers and KC Chiefs are among the most exposed team-related passwords, with over 119,000 and nearly 50,000 instances, respectively. Their analysis of the top 10 passwords for each team showcases the simplicity and predictability of these passwords, making them vulnerable to cyber attacks. And yes, we know what you're thinking. What about Taylor Swift? Not to worry, Swifties. And Zoic did an analysis of Taylor Swift-derived passwords as well. We'll have a link in the show notes. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Be sure to check out this weekend's Research Saturday and my conversation with John DiMaggio, Chief Security Strategist for Analyst One. We're discussing their research, Ransomware Diaries Volume 4, Ransom and Exposed, the story of ransomed VC. That's Research Saturday. Check it out. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. 
N2K's strategic workforce intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karp. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. Cyber.